uh, it's so fruitful for all of us to be able to read the things that God had showed to him. But uh, one of the things I want to talk about that the Lord has laid on my heart is the blame game. And one of the things that Solomon points out is our tendency to want to, when things go awry, we like to not point the blame at ourselves very much. I think that's a human tendency that it's always easier to blame someone else. But in this case that Solomon's going to talk about, about people like to blame God. I don't know how many times over the 30 years that I've been pastoring that somebody has, people have, when I'm counseling or talking with people, and something has gone awry in their life or something's gone wrong, it's always God's fault. I can't believe that God did that to me. I can't believe God let that happen to me. I can't believe that God authored this thing, whatever it was, and did that. And Satan never gets the blame. And then God never gets the credit when things are good. Because we never hear from those same folks when, things, when they're on top of the mountain. That God did all these wonderful things for them. We only hear about when they're at the bottom of the mountain, in the valley, that God did that to them. But I can assure you that 90%, not all things, but 90% of the reason why we're in strife, headache, heartache, and other things is because of the choices that we personally make. Or the choices that someone else around us makes that affects us in some sort of way. But it's all based around choices, but it's usually the blame game because typically, you know, hey, let's just face it, we're all too good to make mistakes, right? Isn't that how most people think? You know, you never want to give credit to yourself for the things that you do, but I can tell you that if you'll just go home and look in the mirror, you'll see the person that's responsible for where you're at today. Amen. Me too. All of my choices in life, all the things that I have done has been a result of my doing. God is there to help me. And under His influence, I can make better choices. But you know, sometimes it just don't happen that way. Now I'm going to read this. This is out of the NLT. I, I typically preach out of the King James Version, but I really like how this brings this uh, verse of Scripture out. And this is what it says. This is... This is in Proverbs 19, verse 3. And this is what Solomon says. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. Pray with me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Eyes to see through the lens of Christ. Lord, a mind that can take in wisdom, humility, God, and an attitude of gratitude so that we can apply the word to our heart. We ask you to destroy the evidence of pride in our heart that would make us want to stand in rebellion against you, Lord. But be willing to accept the man in the mirror and Lord, be willing to accept how much you love us in return so that we can walk the good path. And God, we ask your guidance and leadership upon us all this morning. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Hal walked in today and I asked him how he was doing. And he said something stuck with me. Which I knew in a situation like he has been in. The answer to that question. He said, I'm where I need to be.
And, and boy, that, that just resonates with this sermon. Do you see yourself as being where you need to be today? Do you see yourself as being in a place where that, that you can receive help from on high? And a place that you get your answers from that doesn't come from you? Because we can't fix our own way. There's things we can do to help ourselves. But listen, our help comes from on high. There's a couple things I want to point out in this, in this thing here. This verse of scripture that we just read. And I want to read this again. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then are angry at the Lord. I have seen this so many times, resonates in my spirit as God gave this to me. And there's two things that we see happening here in this verse of scripture that Solomon brings to our attention. One, people are the same back then as they are today, right? People are the same back then as they are today and they get themselves into trouble or some sort of predicament and then they blame the Lord. That is a very popular thing this day. In blaming God, we're challenging His sovereignty, His goodwill in our life. We're challenging the fact that we think, we think that God has planned something against us. And there's no biblical, biblical relevance to that. The Bible says all good things comes down from up above. And God's thoughts towards us are continually to the good and not to the evil, is what the Scripture says. God isn't planning your trip to hell. You're planning that if you go. Because you see, God doesn't really, you live your judgment, you see. Every single day we live our judgment. We're planning our own route. Whether we'll live in rebellion or we'll live in the favor in the sight of the Lord. And it's been that way ever since the beginning of time. 2,000 years ago, before that. Solomon writes this scripture right here and says people do things and get themselves into trouble and then they blame God for it because, listen, we're too good for this. We're too great for this. We're too, we, we never make mistakes, right? Well, that's the attitude of most people. That's the attitude of most people. But when we stand in rebellion to God, that's what we say. God isn't planning your demise, folks. He's reaching out to you. Every single church service you come to, this altar should be full. Not because of me or Jess, but because of your knowing how much you need God. Even if you think things are good right now, I can give you a prophecy that will come true. They will turn bad. Amen. You don't know what you have need of. Like God does. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. But God does. You don't know what struggle is ahead of you, friends, but God does. You don't know the life and death that's ahead of you, but God does. I told the story uh, just this past service about my mother uh, and her passing away. I did not know that the day before that, that that was going to happen until the day came and I seen her on the couch. So to deny yourself relationship with God and humble yourself to deny your humility in the presence of the Lord is foolishness on the part of believers. <clears throat> Boast not about tomorrow, Jesus said the Bible says. Boast not about tomorrow for you know not what a day may bring forth. Oh, a day when someone wakes up 
and their grandchild, two years old, passes of cancer. With no explanation, someone could say, God, why did you do that? Man doesn't have the answers to a lot of things. But we do have the the answer to a a few things. And one of those things is this, that God isn't, the, the, the evil doesn't develop from God. And He does not plan to hurt you. He wants you to follow Him so He can walk you through the landmines of life without blowing yourself to pieces. I talked to a Green Beret one time who was in the landmines of Vietnam. We were, I was doing martial arts with this guy. This guy was phenomenal. He had a, a glass eye where it got gouged out in a bayonet fight against the Viet Cong. He was for real. And he told me, he said, one of the scariest things that I had ever been a part of is the, it's the not knowing and the landmines and the, and the traps that's set for you. The Bible calls Satan a fowler. That's a trapper. He likes to go out and set traps for you to walk in. Now, I'm a trapper. I've set traps in my life. Me and my dad just do a lot of trapping. And you lay the bait out and you put things out where, where, some, where, where, where what you're going to catch is going to come over and step on or snare themselves or step, step on uh, the place that's going to entrap them and keep them until you come and take their life. And Satan loves to plan traps for people. But he told me, he said, you know what? He says, the scariest thing is the not knowing that at any second you're going to be dead. And trying to navigate through the landmines. And not knowing that this step is going to be your last one. Or the the step of the guy that's beside you. You see, it's all about Understanding that God doesn't, He will lead you through that. Because He knows where these things are planted in your spiritual well-being. And to deny Him access, full access to your life, to where He can guide you through, and then to blame Him when things go bad, He's the one trying to get you around that. One of the things I told my brother who was an addict, I said, I said first of all, you realize who got you here. He said, Who? I said, you, you got you here. Accept that doesn't mean we're bad people. It means we're human and we need a higher power to deliver us. It's the reason or the intent behind the choices that we make that either keeps us in the will of God or displays our rebellious nature. But when we fail or when we fall, we look into the mirror and you see the reason why. I like this this one scripture here in John 10, verse 10. Satan wants you to believe that God is doing things against you. I always hear that from the unsaved. Because those of us that's been born again know the very nature of God and how God loves us with a love that I don't have the vocabulary to be able to describe to you. He knows you better than you do. And He knows exactly where you're at. knows exactly what you need. And and He only wants you to know it so that you will come to Him. He will not violate your will. If you don't want it, He won't give it. It's up to you. But in John chapter 10, Jesus lays it out of the two different 
mission statements of the two different entities in which we are engaged with. You're in a battle for your life. Whether you know it or not, you might feel great today and feel like nothing's going on. But you have and I have a judgment day coming. And how are you going to stand in that, you see? So Jesus points this out. And he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan's primary mission statement in your life. He wants to provide the things to you that will destroy you, kill you, or or just ultimately just steal everything there is away from you. That's what Satan wants for you. And he'll give you the thoughts and make you think that it's God that's doing this stuff to you. Man, Pastor Jacobson preaches them messages and I'm telling you, I'm a Christian. Why is all this bad stuff happening to me? Because you're not exempt from this world that we live in. We are guaranteed God will be with us, but you're not guaranteed to avoid the tragedies. But you have an advantage of a Christ who loves you and will lead you through things and will be there with you. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the mission statement of God and the mission statement of the devil. One wants to kill you and destroy you and steal from you. And one wants to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Why don't we like life? I've often wondered that. I've asked people this question that make a big deal out of being bad. Why do you want to be bad and what's what's bad so good for And what does it do for us other than complicate our lives and give us problems upon problems upon problems? Why is it that we hate the good? Robin mentions she went to see a movie. I'll guarantee you, most movies that people go to see are based on really bad things that happen to people these days. Really bad. Someone getting shot, murdered, killed, don't matter. Right in front of us. We'll sit there and eat a sandwich and watch somebody lose their life on TV, you know. And to think that, I wonder if the Lord, what he thinks of that. As we, as we train our mind to accept things. And I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about all of us. I'm right here with you. It's amazing. Satan's desire is to keep you at odds with God. Let me assure you of that. Satan wants you to remain at odds with God. And so he'll influence you to do things. He'll speak in that spiritual part of your mind to woo you into things that ultimately lead you from the presence of God or a relationship with God. He does that. That's what he does. Listen. Destroy pride in your heart. Stand with God and allow God to minister to your heart and give up on the things of this world. God will discipline you here in this world, but He will not condemn you here. Jesus said, For I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Understand the power of your choices here, folks. It's you that chooses what you'll do. It's you that chooses to stay where you are. It's you that allows yourself to stay in a situation. It's not God's fault. 
It's not God's fault. I have talked to people who have been in serious predicaments in their life. I mean bad ones. People that's getting ready to lose their job. People that's getting ready to be fired. Because of things that they did at the workplace. I counseled with somebody not long ago. They called me up. They were up in Ohio. Man, this is going on. This is what happened. This is the scenario. And I'm about to lose my job. Pray for me. I said, I'll pray for you. But you've got to understand it's you that did these things. It's your fault. People scared to death they're about to get a divorce. People scared to death that they're in these situations. All kinds of predicaments we can get ourselves into. Bad ones that causes us to worry and, 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 and we're, we're, we're afraid. It's your fault. You chose that. Typically, that's how that goes. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses, talking to the people... He says this to them. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. And then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. He goes on to say, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient you, do you see how this stuff is all based on you? It's all based on you. See, I set before you. I set before you life and prosperity and death and destruction. I, I give it to you. It's yours. But if your heart... If you, if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you, based on your choices, are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. People may say to me, I don't bow down to other gods. Oh, we, but we do. Without even knowing it, we do. The God of lust. The God of money and wealth. The gods of pleasures. The gods of sex. The gods of violence. Those are all things people will make idols of in their hearts. I forget the national statistic of Men in church, not including the women. It's an astounding percentage who are hooked on pornography in the modern evangelical church because it's right at your fingertips. You. This day I call heaven and earth, Moses said, and witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, and he pleads with the people, now you, please choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's all in our court the ball is in our court as we used to say 
I want, you, I want to bring you to this parable right here. And listen to this. As people play the blame game. And, and, and they, 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 they're not reacting to their own choices. This is, in, this is Jesus himself talking about this. Two men are here praying. Uh, one having the correct pers- perspective of himself and one not. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Immediately, your mind thinks Pharisee and tax collector. One would think back in Jesus' day that a Pharisee is a holy man. He's a righteous man. He's a, he's a man of God. And a tax collector, well, they're still the same way this day. Can I get an amen? One, two, three. Amen. Yeah. Them filthy tax collectors, back in Jesus' day, they cheated everybody. They took people's homes from them. They took their living from them. You would think that the Pharisee would have this thing down pat because he knows the scripture. He's learned in it. He knows what it says and can quote it to you. I know many people who know the Bible but don't know Jesus. I've met many of them. And the life they live does not display the Lord they talk about. Listen to this. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Red flag. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. He says, robbers and evildoers and adulterers are even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat upon his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And the first thing you notice here was this act of incorrect act of humility the attitude of the lack of humility from the pharisee as he began to pray instead the pharisee who thought of himself to be so righteous and godly thanking god for the man praying across from him. he should have been thanking god for the man praying across from him if he was right in his heart the tax collector on the other hand came to the temple to pray with full understanding of the extent of his sin and he was justified justified meaning just as if i've never sinned that's the doctrine of justification when god wipes your slate clean it's just as if i've never sinned justified and if you don't know the difference between salvation justification sanctification and glorification Those are the four Christian doctrines. And we should know them intimately. Justification is the act where God says, I'll remove your sins as far from the east as from the west. That's being justified. Never to be remembered against you anymore. Your slate is clean. One went home that way. One went home that way. But in his, his 
elevation of himself, his self-congratulatory speech about himself to God did not impress God. He came to the temple and all the things that he'd done. And, and I, believe, I believe his story was probably true. I believe that this Pharisee probably did these things. I believe he probably, could you imagine how self-righteous you would feel and I would feel how good a, about things we would feel if we, do you fast twice in a week? They were required to fast only once a year on the Day of Atonement. But if you fasted twice a week, right, and you gave a tenth of all your earnings, I mean every single thing, they did that. Every dime you took in, one-tenth of it went to the temple. I believe he probably did that. But his attitude was wrong in his prayer. It lacked humility. And it lacked understanding that he began to pray exalting himself to God when he should have been beating on his chest like this man saying, God, please forgive me. How about you? God's not impressed with his accomplishments. Deep down inside, and I'm going to close. Today, in today's world that we live in, guilt is very unpopular. Feeling good about myself is much more in vogue today. That's what's in fashion. Anyone found beating on his breast in guilt is typically sent for counseling somewhere, and such negative behavior should be corrected. It's not healthy to feel guilt, we think. Humbling oneself is not in vogue. Papers are full of advice of self-asserting behavior and affirming oneself are the means to success. Wrong. That's pride. God's grace can't be found without human humility. The Bible says if we humble ourselves and pray, he would heal our land. You have to humble yourself before the Lord. It's essential to receive in mercy. Do you want to be free of guilt? With intent in your heart of sincerity. And not exalting yourself and thinking about how good you are. I've been pastoring for three decades and I can tell you, I'm the chief of sinners. It doesn't give me no elevation in amongst Christian people. It makes me more aware of how much I need God probably more than anybody else. The more I read the scripture, the more low it seems I become. I just, I'm ashamed of myself for even thinking a thought. I'm ashamed of myself if I forget when I sit down at the table and forget to thank God for drinking a glass of water. It reminds me of how I need Him. And I convey that to you from where I'm at. That the more you grow in Christ, the lower you get. And that's a fact. It doesn't elevate you. There is, let me tell you something. There is no hierarchy like this, like you would have in your workplace. There is no seniority level with God. The Bible says we all cry, Abba, Father. I've seen people who claim, now this is a fact and my wife will attest to this. I have seen people who claim to be Christians for over 50 and 60 years who were not saved. 
I have seen it. Because they have never asked Christ to be saved. They grew up in a religious home and thought they just by osmosis inherited it. Brother, I got news for you. Unless you hit the altar and you ask God for forgiveness and in humility you lower yourself before God knowing that eternal punishment is yours unless you repent, no matter how good you feel about yourself, hell will be yours, brothers and sisters. I can't give it to her or her. I can't live it and she inherits it. She's seen what we've went through over the years. What we've done. The sacrifices made. She's lived it along with us. But it doesn't make her inheritance of anything. Jesus Christ. She knows what she needs to do. And has done it. How about you? That's the danger. And I said this once before. I'm glad I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I don't understand my speech. I'm not blessed because I did. But you see, I didn't know any different. I, I, I couldn't have faked it. And I couldn't have faked myself out. And I couldn't have, I just couldn't have. A lot of people live in self-deception. Self-deception. There's not a day when you don't remember getting born again. And we need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. Don't let a day go by. Without realizing how much you need Him. I can't stress that enough. I can remember just here recently a lot of things that could have took my life that's happened. I remember dropping this gun one time. I'd Grabbed this pistol in the holster. It was a revolver and it wasn't hooked. And I grabbed this holster and I grabbed it wrong and I went to do something and the gun slipped out and hit on the hammer. Boom! I was like, don't know where the bullet went. I can remember deer hunting several different times up in Ohio, east of Columbus. There's more deer shot there than lives in the state of Kentucky, I think. And I'm standing next to this tree and this is when I decided not to hunt no more on public land. I'm standing there, had surveyed this land out. And I'm talking about how quickly things can happen and your choices just leave you in a state of unreadiness. And I was not ready. I'm standing here and I hear daylight comes and it's like the opening up of warfare. Boom. Coming down this valley. Boom. Boom! Bullets going all around me. I make my big self as small as I can next to the tree. And the leaves bouncing up at my feet. So many things. Where life could have been taken from me. And I was not ready. How about you? Isn't it time to stop blaming God? Isn't it time? Stand with me. Isn't it time to just look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's just me. 
Maybe I need to do things a little differently. And she plays on the piano. If there's anybody who would like to come, come, please come to the altar today.